Hello, welcome to Better Worlds, a podcast exploring geek culture across mediums. I'm your host, Matthew. I'm Dustin. And I'm Trevor. Before we get into today's show, we want to get to a few items of feedback that we had. So uh, I think we had some from a few listeners, if either of you would like to touch base on that. How's this work? I go first, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish that I could make my voice sound like Kylo Ren. Uh, You go first. One piece of feedback that we received from a listener is that they looked forward to hearing us talk about some real world geek topics like science news, different things. And although I am not prepared to talk about it today, I do have a piece of science news that I think is worth mentioning because my brother-in-law published some research and I don't fully understand it, but I can put the link in the show notes they were doing research about cholera and something about how it uh, shifts into like a corkscrew shape to infect things better. So I'm going to throw the link in there, maybe of interest, in the show notes, uh, which are at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash three. Um, this isn't really follow-up, but it's something that I've been following um, on Twitter. I am really enjoying a an account called Shire Reckoning West. And I was trying to save it to share with you guys right now, but I had to share the Bill the Pony uh, tweet with Trevor a couple days ago. Um, <clears throat> what it does is it just tweets out the uh, events from the Lord of the Rings in real time, apparently. Uh, The West account is six hours behind when it actually would take place for people in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, It's just a fun uh, Twitter account to follow instead of reading the books. I mean, you should read the books for sure. But if you don't have time to read the books right now, then this is a nice way to freshen up on the story. Instead of rereading the books. Instead of rereading the books, yeah. it's uh, It kind of takes you on the adventure with the the Fellowship. Have either of you guys seen that other than a couple days ago? I see occasional retweets, although I don't follow it. You should. I think that was my first exposure to it was you bringing that up. Is there any follow-up you'd like to share, Matthew? No. There's one about you. Listener Janelle has provided some feedback for us. Um, She says that Matthew is her favorite, and also she is Dustin's daughter. (laughs) That was that was heartbreaking when she told me that. (laughs) Ah shucks! (laughs) You're gonna start getting fan mail. (laughs) She has a bright future ahead of her. I'll say. She has started podcasting. Yeah. Well, now I feel like we're just making shameless plugs. (laughs) (laughs) these are these are recordings on my computer i haven't shared them anywhere okay we did one talking about sue the tyrannosaurus rex that i'm actually interested in that now you're gonna have to follow up at some point yeah unfortunately that file got corrupted and is lost forever like parts of sue herself oh (laughs) yes now i made myself kind of sad 
So there was one other piece of feedback that we've received from quite a few people. Uh, people have been asking why we don't have some sort of a, a theme song or just like bumper music or anything to kind of show the beginning and or end of the podcast. And the answer to that is it was something I kind of wanted to do at the beginning. Um, I was playing with some different ideas to put together something on my own. I don't want to use one of the royalty free tracks that are available because I feel like other people might be using them. I don't know. Um, nothing I was coming up with felt quite right. And we also don't want to deal with copyright issues if we don't use something that's royalty free. So there, are, it's a fairly complicated issue. And bottom line was I didn't want to start using the wrong music because the music can play such a role in setting the mood of the show. So I decided it'd be better to just start the show with no music for now until we find music that we're like, yeah, that has to be the opening music. So if we find something we really, really like, maybe we'll start doing that. But for now, I'd rather just not have the wrong music. If you have any ideas, you can share them at feedback at betterworlds.net. Not just about music, but any sort of feedback you have for us or anything you'd like to tell us or anything you'd like to hear us talk about or anything, email us. We would love to hear from you. And speaking of things we love, we are going to share with you the theme of today's episode, which is something that is near and dear to all of our hearts, and that is the show Firefly. Time for some thrilling heroics. In all of our previous episodes, we've actually made references to it, and we kind of thought it would be a good idea to get into talking about Firefly so that we're not completely losing people with that who may not be as uh, deeply into the show as we are. <laughs> so, and this is something, too, that probably we thought would be helpful for listeners to get a grasp on because we will most likely continue to be making all sorts of references to it at, throughout the however long we decide to keep doing this show. Also, we really like it, and we want you to like it, too. Yes. But it is okay if you don't like it. And again, you know, no, it's feedback not. is feedback if you want. But you will like it. <laughs> Resistance is futile. I do want to say that of all the people I've introduced Firefly to, I've yet to hear people say, that was a terrible show. I hated it. Please stop giving me recommendations, you. Generally, people either enjoy it or they really enjoy it those are that's kind of the spectrum of reactions i've had and that might be some sampling bias to a degree but anecdotal evidence is anecdotal <laughs> so what is firefly about firefly is a space western and that is literally exactly what it sounds like it's a melding of the western genre with shows set in space i guess you could say more sci-fi um, so while on paper that sounds kind of far-fetched, or you're like, how does that work? The crafting of the world is done in such a way that it feels very natural the way they do it. And you're and when you see it, you think, okay, I get what they're going for here. Um, I don't do either of you have any observations on generally what Firefly's about? I think that was a pretty good summary. Just a couple of other facets. It's um, it's an ensemble show. It's not really focused on a, one specific character. And the plot is not the main thing driving it, although there certainly is 
a lot of interesting plot going on. It's it's an ensemble show. There's what nine characters that are all pretty equal. They're all very interesting. Their interactions between each other are entertaining and dramatic. And the show also provides a very sensible vision of what humanity's future might look like 500 years from now. Um, it's set in a solar system with dozens of planets and moons that have been terraformed for human life. And the main government is sort of a melding of American and Chinese culture. And so you see a lot of these cultures kind of blended and remixed in different ways. And it's a very well thought out world, even though the show itself is pretty brief. And I do also want to throw out as uh, side information that it is a show that was primarily created and helmed by Joss Whedon. Uh, his earlier work you might be familiar with. He did Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spinoff show Angel. Um, his later stuff that he is more in vogue with at the moment, I guess, is that he directed the uh, Avengers movie and the second Avengers movie, Age of Ultron. Um, and he also did a show called Dollhouse that was before directing the Avengers, but after Buffy and Angel and Firefly. He's also made a handful of movies at this point. Um, he made Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Very good. During the the Writers Guild strike. Um, and he wrote a whole bunch of movies even before Firefly. Yeah, he actually was one of the writers of Toy Story, I believe. Correct. Yes. Yeah, he and he did script doctoring on like X-Men and a whole bunch of other stuff. But this is pretty much... Of the things I was mentioning, Buffy, Angel, Dollhouse, Firefly, these are all things that are kind of more directly from his mind. He had he was right. the conceptualizer, the very involved in day-to-day show running, did a lot of the writing, did directing, was just like it it's folk it it's got his imprinter on it just all throughout. Right. And I've heard some people when they realize that he's the guy who made Buffy, I've heard them kind of think that that might mean they won't like Firefly, but try not to think of it in terms of that. If, if Buffy is a turnoff, just know that Firefly stands completely on its own. Um, I came to Firefly first and later very reluctantly was introduced to Buffy and I thought I would hate it, but ended up liking it too. So anyway, um, Although it is made by the same person, don't let that be a turnoff for you. And having seen both shows all the way through, it's I would definitely agree with what Trevor said. They're very different shows throughout. Um, not to say there's probably the biggest hallmark of anything done by Joss Whedon is the bantery style of dialogue. And to a degree that is present in both shows, but Tonally, they're different. Obviously, genre-wise, they're different. Uh, And the stories they're trying to tell are very different. So even though it's got the same uh, captain at the helm, they're plotted in different directions. Trevor mentioned earlier that it's a short show. Um, What do you mean by that, Trevor? So one of the reasons that Firefly has become 
such a cult hit is that it was very short-lived. It was canceled during its first season before all the episodes had even aired. Um, number of episodes depends a bit on how you count. Is it 14? Depends on if you want to chop the pilot into two episodes. <laughs> right. Because the, the pilot's like a two-parter. Um, so it only has a handful of episodes. Um, it ended up doing very well with DVD sales after it got canceled, and that ended up leading to the making of the movie Serenity as well. But this is a show that, as much as people love it, we don't have nearly enough of it because of the way it got canceled. Yeah, and part of the cancellation, I think, is due to the um, bad hand that it was dealt. Wasn't the pilot aired out of order? I don't think the pilot was the first episode that aired. The pilot might have actually been the last episode that aired. Which, you know, if you're going to have a pilot that introduces the story, you kind of want that one to be first. But, hey, the people at Fox know what's best. So, interestingly, they made the pilot. Again, we mentioned a two-part episode. They showed it to Fox, and Fox, the network that it was on, said, mm, we don't really like it. It's kind of too dark. How about we get a different episode? So, the episode that aired first is actually the second episode, and it has a decidedly lighter tone through it. And that's what a lot of people took as the introduction to the show. But if you try to go and watch this now, the order is correct on streaming services like Netflix. Yeah. And also, I think that Matthew has shared that it was bumped from time to time due to sporting events. And so things were just shuffled all around. If you buy the DVD the DVD collection, it has, at least mine, has the air date next to each episode, and it's kind of baffling to look through at the chronology of that. Not to mention that a couple of the last episodes chrono in the chronology did not air. They only went out on DVD. Right. How did you first encounter Firefly? I think it would be uh, remiss to say that We've all kind of, we encountered Firefly from each other. So when I first heard about Firefly, it was actually from Trevor back when we were uh, in school. So should I start? Yeah, I'd say that's not, you can give your 50 cents on how you came to it because then okay. I got it from you. Okay, so the very first encounter I had with Firefly was actually seeing ads for it around the time when it was about to start airing. And I remember seeing the ads and being really intrigued, but also kind of getting the sense that it probably wouldn't be a show I would actually be able to watch. Um, and in retrospect, I'm glad that I didn't watch it in high school because I probably wouldn't have liked <laughs> some of the stuff in it. Um, but I, so I didn't see it for several years. And then in college, um, my friend, Justin came to me and he said, Hey, have you ever heard of Firefly? And I immediately went, is that that one show that is like, that I know nothing about except that maybe it has something to do with like a Western and a spaceship and like a girl in a box or something. Like, I don't know anything about it, but I'm intrigued. And do you have a way of watching this? And so he, 
started showing me the episodes and I was hooked immediately and I, I loved it and began introducing it to as many people as I could. <laughs> and the, the time of my life that I started watching it ended up working out really well because it was during a time in college when I was trying to form new friendships and, um, also kind of going through some stuff that at the time seemed difficult, um, <laughs> just like interpersonal stuff. But like, I remember, um, just for example, um, just like being in my room, being sad one day. And then Justin came and said, Hey, do you want to watch an episode of Firefly? And <laughs> I went and watched the episode with him. And in the episode, it happened to be the birthday of the character that I most identified with. And it was also my birthday and he was having a bad day too. And I was having a bad day and I don't know, stuff, a lot of little stuff like that just kind of solidified it for me. Poor Simon. So <laughs> don't give away spoiler. Anyway, um, <laughs> to kind of piggyback off that one of, I, before Trevor and I were actually friends and interacted on a regular friendly basis we may have had like polite conversations but probably the first conversation conversation where we talked about anything beyond um basic pleasantries that i can recall was in the course of it leading to discussing firefly because that was something trevor was watching through uh at that point in time so one of the things through that conversation he told me about it i thought it sounded interesting he extended an invitation and said, Oh, we should watch it sometime. Um, and I don't know if at the time he intended that to be taken up, but I definitely did pursue that. And we ended up at, at the school where we were, where you could rent out kind of like a mini theater room and it became a weekly ritual that we would go rent out the theater room and with some additional friends, go and watch Firefly. So the first time I saw the pilot was in that theater room. I think that what followed is something that maybe Trevor slightly upset with me for. I enjoyed the pilot so much that then I got the DVDs from someone else and watched the whole show before the next episode came around in the following week. <laughs> um, and but obviously that is just a testament to the fact that it had its hooks in me deep and fast. This is kind of interesting because, um, it's not only the story of how we came to know Firefly, but it's also becoming how we were introduced to each other. Yes, this is my primary method of finding friends ever <laughs> since I watched that first episode. <laughs> um, you're kind of gathering that we went to college together. And I don't know if it's the first... Matthew and I were in, a, in the same class that was kind of an intro for college freshmen just to get to know the college experience and things like that. Um, at some point I was in his dorm room and he showed me the Firefly disc, which means that it was past the first pilot episode whenever he actually purchased the DVDs. And he told me about it. He's like, Hey, have you seen this show? And I said, no, he said, it's kind of a space Western. And I thought, that sounds dumb. You seem weird now. <laughs> Sorry, Matthew. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. That didn't stop us from interacting and becoming friends. Uh, it just was kind of like, oh, space western. I don't think that's for me. Even though I like space 
things. And I don't know what 18 year old me was thinking, honestly. Then, uh, that summer, the following summer, I was a counselor at a youth camp, uh, a local youth camp. And Trevor was in a band playing at the camp and he started introducing the staff to Firefly. And I was, I had heard of it. I was like, oh, that's that weird space Western show. But I gave it a chance because everybody was watching it. And I loved it after the first episode. And that's kind of how I became friends with Trevor as Trevor just shared. That's his primary friend method, I guess. Uh, So yeah, this is really pretty closely woven throughout our friendship Firefly. This might just be a testament to the fact that Trevor's more persuasive than I at getting people to sit down and consume media. (laughs) Well, it was also a a better time, I guess. When I was visiting that one day, it wasn't like we had time to watch anything or had plans to to do that. I don't know. At the camp, we would have blocks where we were really busy, and then we would have blocks of free time, like entire weekends where we had to find stuff to do. So it ended up being perfect for um, forcing all of the other camp staff to watch things that I wanted them to see. And I'm glad that you forced it upon me. (laughs) (laughs) That said, um, kind of as Matthew alluded to earlier, I, I have introduced a whole lot of people to Firefly and they have all liked it or loved it. Um, Granted, there have been people I've talked to, about it with and they've just kind of gone I I don't know about that but when I've actually showed it to people or they've gone and watched themselves and come back to me um, they have been very positive and um, there are some kind of more fun episodes and there are some kind of heavier episodes and although the network executives thought that the pilot was too heavy uh, I, it's a pretty fun episode overall. Um, I would, I would categorize it with the fun episodes rather than the heavy episodes. And so you kind of have like the two parter episode and then another episode that are both a whole lot of fun before you start to get into the heavier stuff. And I think that that really helps engage people right at the beginning. Yeah. For me, one of the things that I liked a lot about this show was, it happened right in the first 10 minutes of, of the pilot episode. You cut out to somewhere out in space and there's no sound. What? And so <laughs> it it was cool to have a show that respected the fact that you're not going to hear anything in space. You can see that the spacecraft is engaging thrusters or things like that, but you're not actually going to hear it because, you know, you're in the vacuum of space. And that's the first time that I think I've seen that in a television show or a movie. Um, So I really appreciated that about it, the scientific accuracy of it. And that's the moment you knew you were in love? That's the moment I knew I was in love, yes. Do you know what the moment was for you, Matthew? (laughs) Um, I know what the moment was. And I think people who knew enough about me around me knew what the moment was. Early on in the pilot episode, you see uh, the pilot, whose name is Wash, uh, playing with toy dinosaurs and having them narrate 
a scene yes. that is delightful. Um, and that was probably when I was like, this show is great. If the if it had been utterly terrible beyond that, I still probably would have come away with a positive impression just because there were he you had a goofy character doing voices for toy dinosaurs. Mine is an evil laugh. On a spaceship. <laughs> Mine is an evil laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should call it your grave. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. This is where... We could just quote the whole movie for people <laughs> before they get to see it. We're going to... Yeah, see, that's the problem is we could quote the entire show and, and maybe that's what we should have done. If if you would like to hear us do a complete reenactment of Firefly instead of doing a <laughs> podcast, we can probably do something <laughs> reasonably approximating that, which would be a poor choice of way to spend your time. So don't actually tell us you want to hear that. <laughs> so I think for me, the moment where I knew I was going to love the show was even, even before it shows him in space and has the part with the dinosaurs in the very first scene, it shows a battle from the big civil war. That's kind of the backdrop of the show. And on that note, that's, that's another kind of world building aspect of this uh, a lot of Westerns are set with the backdrop of the American Civil War being a, a big factor. And Firefly maintains that aspect of the Western by having this big space civil war. Um, so the very f opening scenes of the pilot, you see one of the battles from this war. And Mal is kind of giving a pep talk to this soldier who is ready to give up. Mal is the captain of the ship. Yes, Mal is the captain of the ship, and some would say the main character, although I would say he is one of many main characters. Um, so he's he's given this pep talk to this kid that he's fighting with, alongside, rather. <laughs> um, and he says, I just, I think the two phrases that really, uh, that I liked were when he says, we have done the impossible, and that makes us mighty. And then a little bit later, the guy thinks they're going to die. And he says, we're going to die. And he says, no, we are not going to die. You know why? We are just too pretty for God to let us die. And <laughs> I just, for some reason, those little pep talks in that battle, I think had it locked for me already. Yeah. Even before it got particularly Western or particularly spacey. Some of that may be down to the charm of Nathan Fillion. Let's be fair. Uh, yes. Granted. Nathan Fillion playing the captain named Mal. Another thing I really appreciate about it, and this will be the last thing I share as far as what I love about it, is the world build building aspect of the show. There's just a lot of, um, I wouldn't say time put into building the world, but you're just immersed in this future that Joss Whedon has imagined, and it grips you pretty quick. And... Um, you want to know more. You want to. It's it's somewhat familiar, but strange at the same time. Um, it, it's just really cool how he uh, developed everything. I want to throw in um, kind of a case in point about how the world building is done. So something that I believe has been touched upon is that this is set in the future. It's set where uh, kind of along a trajectory where um, the U.S. and China have done space exploration, but the cultures from those 
the U the U S and China being dominant powers have put people into space. I, that's about as much as I probably want to say there. Right. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, and so those being the two main groups, obviously the things that people are speaking are English and Chinese really just in all the times they're shooting places that are colonies, you get the full feel from the art direction, from the sets that, this is either predominantly Chinese with some um, Anglo-speaking flair or vice versa. It's a U.S. English, I mean, on cultural elements. But the the main way they get to doing this is the major, the show is in English, but all of the characters throughout will use Chinese. And they usually do it to swear. <laughs> So um, that's kind of a creative way to, I guess, get around some sensor issues. But it's to show that to some degree, the languages have become so intertwined and permeable that everyone knows a little bit of it. And sometimes people do drop in and use like one phrase that is Chinese in the middle of an English sentence. But they do it in such a way that you can usually get through context what they're saying or look it up on the internet later. And it's not, it's not just swearing. Sometimes it's like affectionate terms or different things. That's true. Yeah. Like Mei Mei. Mei Mei. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, Mei Mei is little sister people. Um, but anyway, the, <laughs> and that it, it, it is a very nice affectionate term. Um, but anyway, the way they did that was such a underrated way to do world building. And it never felt it never feels forced when they're doing it. Sometimes when you're looking at a show that's trying to do, uh, that's trying to use linguistics as a way to expand the world they're building, it can feel a little too on the nose. They manage to weave it in very naturally all throughout Firefly. So do you guys have any advice for listeners who have not seen Firefly on how to engage? I have plenty of advice. Um, the first and most important piece of advice is just, please watch it. Uh, I have never heard somebody watch Firefly and then come to me and say, I really liked that. And I'm so glad I waited so long to watch it. They <laughs> have said the opposite. They <laughs> wish they watched it sooner. They don't know why they waited so long. Uh, I have heard people I know say that. I know that Orson Scott Card also said the same thing when his son tried to get him to watch it. And he waited for like a year or two. And then when he finally did, he was just not happy with himself that he had forced himself to live for that long without having Firefly in his life. Orson Scott Card is a, a renowned science fiction author. Yes. And actually on that note, there are a couple things I didn't say about how special Firefly is to me. Go ahead. But me, okay. So um, two additional things that stand out, the relationship between a brother and sister on the show I really liked, it feels like a lot of times sibling relationships on TV shows are not particularly friendly. You a lot of times just have kind of rivalries, I guess. Yeah. But I am really close with my sister. So seeing the relationship between the brother and sister on this show uh, really resonated with me. Um, the other thing is Orson Scott Card wrote Ender's Game and... Ender's Shadow and all those other books that go with that. I would say that Firefly is one of three fictional worlds that is most important to me. Firefly, the Enderverse, and Star Wars 
all three of these, a big part of why they're so special to me is that they feel almost like a piece of my own mind somehow. Um, I think I get what you're, I mean, but sometimes you see things and it sits well with you. It just like, I don't, yeah, there's a certain resonance. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. And to that same degree, I would agree with that, that there's just a feel to it that feels right with the way you think of things. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So that I think is part of the reason that I have been so inclined to introduce other people to Firefly because I feel almost like if they see Firefly, they'll understand me better somehow. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, mm. I don't expect everybody to love it as much as I do, but I do expect most people to like it to some degree. And I feel like once they see it, they'll somehow understand me better. So I have a fair amount of experience showing Firefly to people. And so a couple things to know up front, there's the TV show, which consists of the two part pilot, which is generally considered as a single episode and then handful of additional episodes. And then there's the movie serenity. And I want to provide upfront assurance. Serenity has the same cast as firefly and the same writer director. Um, it really is the same thing. You don't have to worry about it being a pivot from the show. It's not the same set. That's the only thing that's different. And that's actually... <laughs> do you want to talk about that, Trevor? That's kind of an interesting... Did they have to rebuild the set? I think they did, yeah. They did. That's what uh, one of the interesting things. And I think this is something Trevor told me. Through In the main show, it a lot of it's shot on the interior of their spaceship, which is a Firefly-class spaceship called Serenity. And you see different shots of the interior... Because they've got all of the interior parts built, but they're not connected like an actual ship would be. When they did the movie, they actually, instead of having all the different parts inside the ship built, they literally built the whole ship and connected it all on one big set. So when it... Right. When they... Wait, what do you mean set? They weren't in space. Dustin, I have some harsh news for you. That's an allusion to a um, an episode of, oh goodness, I'm blanking on, oh, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, Summer Glau was in one of those episodes and she said, oh, you're not one of those people that thinks we were in space. I have not seen that, but I will take your word for it. Okay, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> anyway, so the movie Serenity actually opens with a shot where you have it's following characters walking through the whole ship in one long shot right to, that's almost like a nod to hey guys we finally have the set in one piece <laughs> so it's a very impressive shot from that for anyone who it's almost like a love letter to fans that knew how it was done i think it's a like a 5 minute continuous shot yeah. and no cuts it just constant it is yeah. filming which is cool. That does a very impressive job of introducing you to all the characters, like in enough that someone who's never even watched the show kind of gets a feel for what the characters are doing. Right. That said, not that we're saying you should watch the show. Do not watch the movie before you see the show. Do not. The movie, I, I'm, I'm not even going to say the words that it can stand on its own. Um, maybe it can, but why would you want to live in that world? Watch the show <laughs> and then watch the movie start with the actual pilot. Um, there are some shows 
that have like two versions of the pilot. Like I think even Star Trek, the original series has two different versions yes. of the pilot. And one of them is kind of just like a bonus. If you are a big fan and you want to see more or you want to see kind of the background stuff, but it's not like the real pilot. And some shows will have like a, and maybe this was the situation with that, but they'll have like a low budget thing that they did to sell the show. And then they'll refilm it with a higher budget or with the actors who are actually going to be on the show going forward. That's not the case with Firefly. They have the pilot that you see on the DVDs or on Netflix on Hulu. That is the actual pilot. Do watch that. It's called Serenity, but it's the pilot episode of the show. So you watch that and then the train job and so on and so forth. Once you've watched all of those, then you watch the movie. The movie is in fact set after the show. The other thing is once you start watching, there's a good chance you'll watch the first episode and then you'll want to watch the second episode. And then after you watch the second episode, you'll want to watch the third episode. This has been something I've encountered with every single group I have shown this show to. And I have learned that unless you know for a fact that you're going to have time to watch the fourth episode, you should not stop at the third episode. So if you, if you finish the second episode and you look at the clock and realize you would only have time for one more episode, just go ahead and stop. So the third episode is the first one that is kind of dark. And so it's just a really strange place to stop when you're watching the show. And it's not to say it's a bad episode. It's just a really weird one to end your first viewing session on. So I would say feel free to watch one or two or four episodes, but don't watch three episodes in your first sitting. I would say that the overall, the show definitely lends itself to binge viewing. And in that sense, it's aged very well. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. And for those who aren't aware the it initially aired in the very early 2000s. I want to say 2002, 2003. And Serenity was 2005. You can check me on that. Yes. Now, did Firefly actually air in 16.9, the aspect ratio, widescreen? I don't know the I don't know the answer to that. I want to say yes, but that would have only been just around the time when things would be getting to like people were getting away from full screen. That was another point of conflict between Joss Whedon and the network was that he really wanted to shoot the show in widescreen in 16.9 cuz he thought that was kind of what was going to be the thing and they insisted that it had to be 43 and so he filmed in 16.9 against their wishes and intentionally set up shots so that characters who are speaking to each other are sitting on opposite ends of the screen oh, <laughs> so then it couldn't be cropped to show in 43 um one of the really good examples of this is at the beginning of the pilot episode when you have Mal and Simon talking to each other. And I'm not going to say any more about who they are because watch the show. But Mal and Simon are sitting in the cockpit at the end of the episode talking and they're just on completely opposite ends of the screen. That's what's going on there. Joss Whedon is just doing things his way, telling the network that they can't decide how he's going to shoot his show. They can't take the show from him. They can't. Well, they did, though. <laughs> oh. Too soon. <laughs> did either of you have any viewing advice? 
One thing I would like to mention for people who haven't seen the show, um, it's probably not a good idea to watch this with small children. Um, Part of the world building is that in this society, there is prostitution and it's somewhat a higher caste than what it would be in our day. Um, There are some suggestive scenes in certain episodes. Um, So I would avoid watching this with children. Definitely not a kid's show. And this is why I'm glad I didn't see it in high school. Same. It's not anywhere near like a lot of the shows out today on like HBO and stuff. Oh no, no, that I won't be watching, but it is good to know that there's some stuff you wouldn't want kids seeing. What about you, Matthew? I don't have anything. Okay. Um, well, I want to throw in a note on some of the additional media. There are comics. And is there anything besides the comics? There is a novelization of the movie that, while offering a few extra details, is... <laughs> I I don't know that I would recommend anyone. I didn't like the extra details. Uh, it made me feel like the operative was a different person than I had thought. I don't know. It didn't really mesh with my viewing of the movie somehow. So let's ignore that. The comics. Um, <laughs> what would you tell people about the comics, Matthew? You've read more of them than I have. They usually... So I've gotten... I'm out of the group here, probably the resident uh, comic reader. And in a majority of situations, my advice would be if there is a show that has a comic tie-in usually is avoid that because comic tie-ins two shows are usually terrible just as a general rule of thumb in the case of uh firefly they are now up to i want to say five or six different series um they on the whole they've actually been decent like and there are some that are ridiculously good that are maybe not ridiculous there that i actually thought huh that was a very good comic like for instance in this past if you're familiar with comics at all the first saturday in may is free comic book day and firefly has done here and there free comic book day things they did they were in part of a free comic book day giveaway this past one and the story they had in there was if you if you watch the show and you watch the movie, I would definitely get this. Uh, I would track down reading at least that free comic book day one because that's enjoyable. Um, something that might be track down what the free comic book day. I can't even remember what the name of. Okay, so the one from the free comic book day. It's a one shot that was. It was beautiful. The Firefly free comic book day one shot from 2016. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you tried doing best of luck. I've got it, like, I've got it, like, five feet away from me. Hold on just a second. There might be a name for it. I think it's actually a Dark Horse um, free comic book day that has some other stuff in it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But I can also, while that is being retrieved, there is a comic book uh, series that I, again, I cannot keep all of the 
subtitles they have because they've got ones that i that i think there's one that's just called serenity there's one called better days there's one called like firefly serial number of the ship that i'm ashamed firefly <laughs> class zero three yeah that's this one yeah i i um i have the four series that are available in hardback i completed my collection this christmas there's fireflies with the serial number those left behind is the name of the series and these these are all under the name serenity so there's those left behind and then there's better days is the second one and then the third one is the shepherd's tale and the fourth one is leaves on the wind and right right now the fifth one is running i think it's called no power in the verse yeah the free comic book day one is called the warrior and the wind okay i mean it's it's from the firefly class uh series but that particular story is the warrior and the wind okay so i do want to point out um and it, this might interest people there is a time gap between the end of firefly the show and serenity the movie um you don't necessarily need to know what goes on in between there but the comic serenity those left behind covers what happens between the end of the show and the beginning of the movie if you're the kind of person who wants all blanks filled in that would do it for you because it actually does um, touch upon a number of plot threads that never got touched upon further in the firefly show yeah but if you are not a person who reads comics and you're not dying to have these holes filled in you're going to be just fine skipping the comics, I think. And I would agree with that. Yeah. So don't don't feel like the fact that there are comics, that doesn't need to turn you off to the show. You can still watch the show and the movies, or sorry, movie, oh, and get quite a bit out of it. But you don't really need to worry about the comics. But they're there if you like comics. Can I throw in a few more no- notes on comics for those who are interested? Yeah. Um. So the other series, the second series that Trevor mentioned, which is Better Days, is kind of set, it's set at some nebulous point during Firefly the show. They don't really tell you what it is, but it's supposed to be occurring in there. And I found that to be actually a very enjoyable story in and of itself. That would be one that if you really were interested in diving in, I would recommend doing that because it's almost like getting another episode or two episodes of the show. Um, and then the other series after that, I believe are all, following time-wise serenity the movie so if you really feel like you need more firefly development after the movie then you pick up in that third comic series onwards but as trevor has pointed out you could watch just the show go into the movie and you'd probably be satisfied with that and i don't want to by any means tell you that (laughs) the comics are on par with the quality you find in the show because that would false yeah they're enjoy some of them are enjoyable but as trevor said you have to like comics you have to really just want to get more deeply involved in what's going on and you have to be prepared for there being a quality difference yeah for the most part i only read comics that matthew hands me and says reads the says read this um i have (laughs) i do have all of the serenity comics he did not hand them to me and I do not love them, to be honest. <laughs> but they're still Firefly, and so I still have them. <laughs> well, thus far, we've been talking to the listeners that have not seen 
Firefly. Should we transition to something for those that have? Sure. Let's do. Oh, should we? Can we say shiny? Let's be bad guys. Shiny. Because let's, let's be bad guys. <laughs> because we're doing spoilers. That would be a good. Do you want me to drop in the audio? Yes, please. I was listening for klaxons the same way that we used a klaxon from Star Wars for the Rogue One spoilers, but the only klaxon I've heard is literally like it blares like one time. Hmm. That or the warning sounds on Serenity in the episode Out of Gas. But then that she's... is what I was talking about, actually. Oh, really? It's only blaring yeah. one time? It's, it's just like one sound. Oh. <laughs> it just blares like one time. The message comes up. Something like that. In Chinese and English, yeah. Well, Oh, no, you're talking about later in the episode. Yeah, I am. I'm talking about when the thing first happens. Anyway. Okay, so (laughs) that said, we're venturing into spoiler territory. This is intentional, and if you have not seen Firefly yet, you should stop listening. And then come back once you have watched it. Yes. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. So, you want to share... Our favorite episodes? Go for it. I think you should go first. Okay. My favorite episode is by far Out of Gas. Um, this is an episode that is interesting for many reasons, one of which is the way it's shot. There are three different timelines. Um, one is the past, one is the, I'd say, present, and then uh, present but plus a couple hours or so. Um, I like this one a lot because it's it provides an origin story uh, talking about how the different crew members came to the ship. Whenever the show first starts, the crew is assembled. You don't have any idea of why they are on the ship. They just are. Uh, in the episode Out of Gas, it shows how they came to be on the ship, and I, I really like that. Um, it's interesting to see... How Wash is, you know, how Wash and Jane and, and Kaylee are brought on board. So, And I want to throw in a note on Out of Gas. This is the one that, even though it's not the one I'm going to mention for my favorite episode, I think could easily run and be the best done episode. It might be the best episode in the series just because... It very skillfully, like the way Dustin explained that, you think, geez, they're juggling three different timelines and telling a story. That's got to be a convoluted mess. But the way they do it, it, I don't, (laughs) I don't know if I can do justice and explanation to it. They have visual cues that let you know which timeline it is. Um, They're kind of different filters. The past is kind of a, a yellowy, um, filter for it i don't know sepia type it's like deal. the colors are all kind of blown out too yeah it's like yellow but also kind of like oversaturated right then the present is just a normal look to the to the film the future one is a little more bluish so you can tell where you are in the story based on the coloring that you see and so to backtrack again where i said i'm taking the title, I guess, of resident comics expert, which I feel is pretentious somehow, but I'm going to just roll with it. Um, Origin stories can be really boring because especially if you're just kind of wanting the story to get rolling to where it's going to be, 
And I think Firefly very smartly avoided like showing a full origin story of like where it came from. And until you get to this, which kind of goes into the background of how everyone got on the ship in different ways. And they did it. They do it in the way that I like to see an origin story done where you're telling one story and then there's just flashbacks to the origin as you're going along instead of dedicating one whole block to this is how it happened. Um, I don't know. I think that it narratively is much more engaging and lets you play around with characterization and showing how people have developed over time. It like it, There's just so much more you can do with it in telling a story. So I think this was a very smart choice of structuring the episode that way, as well as um, avoiding the pitfall of just trying to do a standard origin episode. My uh, so I like this episode one because it's an origin story, and I don't know. I must be weird. I really like origin stories. I don't find them boring. Um, so I don't know what that says about me. I guess I'm I'm thinking it's just been done. Like when you do a straight up origin, origin, it's yeah. I don't know. It can be the plot elements tend to be, and maybe it's different with an ensemble, but. I don't know. I, I tend to get bored with things that are just straight up origins because it's like, okay, we know we've got to get all these things running so you can get to the baseline when you can start telling the stories that are interesting because all of the elements that you need are present. Yeah. This like took and gave you all the elements present, started telling stories. And then once you were invested and where the origin means more to you, went back and did that. I appreciated the approach there, but I'm not saying everyone takes that approach. <laughs> The other aspect of this show that really, or this episode that really appeals to me is, um, those of you who have seen it, you know that this is uh, the episode where there's some kind of catastrophe on Serenity, and uh, they're without life support. Um, and I really like seeing how Mal can gauge each crew member, see where they are, how they're reacting to this crisis moment. And his uh, combat leadership kicks in and he can quickly, effectively lead them in whatever way they need to help them focus and survive this. Uh, with Kaylee, he's very um, – he f helps her focus on the job at hand, saying – she's the, the shipwright, um, the mechanic, and – he has her assessing the situation, explaining it to him, keeps her focused on the mechanical issue rather than what's happening with other crew members who are injured and stuff. With Wash, he's very forceful and he has to assert his authority because Wash is protecting his wife. And it's just cool to see how he takes damage control and his... Uh, seeing his le leadership skills in action. I, I really like that part of the sh the episode. I would agree with that, that it definitely does. And I'd say if this, if there was a main character, this episode, it would be Mal in that he's the one who's on screen most of the time. Um, but yeah, I would definitely agree with that, that it does a good job of showing his relationships with the rest of the crew and how he knows he has to interact to keep everyone together and acting in a way that they're all going to survive. 
I think I just like survival stories in general. Um, and so that appeals to me with this. And this kind of, uh, this episode specifically kind of almost goes back to the thing you said you liked that was, it's, it is by no means a hard sci-fi show, but it trends towards that way much more so than your standard sci-fi show. It's harder <laughs> sci-fi. Yeah. Right, because this is all about, like, they uh, a component breaks down. They're going to lose their recycled air pretty quickly. They have to get off of the there because they're too far out and the ship's broken down. And, like, they're, <laughs> they're working within the physical limits of space travel much more than you typically see in that type of show. Right, and when I say harder, I mean harder than some other shows that you see. Not in the grand scheme of hardness scale on sci-fi <laughs> yeah it's no diamond but it's not soapstone either that was a nice uh <laughs> geology <laughs> reference there i think that was more <laughs> that was at, like actually a very good example and i was just not expecting something that was talking about the physical properties of hardness and oh, anyway cut this part out <laughs> one of the great things about out of gas is the way that the problem that stops the ship dead in the ether is <laughs> a problem that Kaylee as the mechanic has been complaining about since the very first episode. So it's not like they didn't see it coming. She's been telling Mal, we have to replace this part. And he's just keeps telling her they don't have the money for it. I missed that. I probably probably because I haven't seen watched the whole show for a couple of years now, but that's pretty cool. Something to watch for next time you watch through the series. Definitely. Just all of the different times that they mention the compression quo. Honestly, I'm not very mechanically inclined, so anytime she's not either. <laughs> anytime she says a an engine part, I just kind of glaze my eyes glaze over and I just I hear want want then the rest of her dialogue kind of a charlie brown-esque thing there's basically two contexts of her mentioning engine parts either she's in the engine room pointing to something trying to get somebody to realize something that she thinks is obvious or anywhere other than the engine room she's trying to tell mal they need to replace the compression coil <laughs> matthew do you want to talk about your favorite episode sure my favorite episode is called ariel this is maybe the closest they have in the show to a time they do a job where usually the job is a robbery that everything goes kind of sort of right. But usually they get halfway into it and it all falls apart and then it's a mad run to try to salvage something from it. Ariel goes relatively smoothly in the sense that uh, by the end of the episode, they've succeeded and have the payout for the job that they're doing. Um, so I kind of like that in the sense that it's a fun episode where you get to see them be victors in a lot of ways, but it also is one of my favorites because the, at this point you're pretty far into the show and it does a lot of payout on plot points. There's kind of a long running strand of, um, some care do i want to, uh, of uh jane possibly betraying uh 
Simon and River just because he doesn't like them being on the ship. And you get the uh, you get the story payout of that, seeing what that kind of would look like. And also, oh, Mal is one of my favorite characters. This is where it, somehow it plays out where Jane tries to betray um, Simon and River and they get out of the situation and no one knows Jane tried to do this. Mal figures it out, and even though Jane's been on the ship much longer than Simon and River, Mal basically all but threatens to just, like, jettison him into space because the guiding principle for Mal is protecting his crew, and even when someone on his crew threatens his crew, that is a line too far for him, and he's he shows he's willing to kill to protect that crew, which, again, kind of goes into the... Uh, pseudo military background where you know he's got his the men under him and he's got to protect them and so that's transferred into that and i just like like it so much of the time mal as a character is charming he's a little aloof um he's trying to lead them through kind of this offhanded humor sense but as soon as you get on to where he does have principle, he is hard. Like he, he just mm-hmm. gets stony and you would almost think you're not dealing with the same person. So it's really interesting to see both the story explore that and to have one actor be able to pull off that range. Again, Nathan Fillion is excellent in pretty much everything I've ever seen him do. Yeah. You also get an interesting look into Jane's psychology with the situation because it's, he states that he doesn't see them as part of the crew. and But from after this episode, Jane never has a problem with uh, Simon and River. I don't think – I might be wrong. No, you're right. Uh, but he never tries to betray them. And you could say, well, duh, uh, Mal threatened to throw him out the airlock. But I think it goes deeper than that because Mal says, uh, no, you didn't betray them. You betrayed me like you were plotting against me. And so whenever uh, Jane sees that, oh, I was going against the captain, um, who I think he respects a lot, uh, that I think that is the reason that he, that really got through to him. Not the, the physical threat, but that... Um, anything that he did against Simon and, and River was against Mal. Mm. And they don't, uh, throughout the, like I said, this is fairly late in the show, so there's maybe four or five, uh, I don't know, maybe three or four, three to five episodes after this, and then the show's done. They only touch upon that whole Jane betraying uh, Simon and River plot point a few more times, but every time it, they do, it's to almost get to how guilty Jane feels about it, how apologetic he is and how much he wants to apologize, but he can't apologize because he knows that that would get Simon really mad at him for revealing that that was a thing that happened, period. Mm -hmm. So it's, it creates another layer of Jane that I think it's really easy when you see Jane to kind of write him off as a, um, like, Oh, he's this big goofy character. He's only in it for, uh, money and getting the stuff out of it he wants to but there's there is a very interesting psychology to him that makes even 
that character that you think would be not that interesting, very interesting. Yeah, I was going to say it does come up two times in Objects in Space, the very last episode, but not in the sense of like he's actively working against them or anything. Um, early in the episode, when it's showing everything from River, River's perspective and showing what people are thinking, he says in like just one of the little cuts where it's like showing how she's hearing his thoughts. He says something like, I'm sorry, the money was too good. And you can see in his face, he really is sorry. Um, but he felt like he had to do it because of how good the money was. That was what I was thinking of right there. Yeah. Yeah. So like he clearly does feel guilty. And then later that same episode, they're having a conference in the, the kitchen with everybody, but river there. They're talking about what they're going to do because they think that River might be a danger to the rest of the crew and to herself. And Jane says, hey, I didn't even want him on this boat. And Mal, the only one who knows what Jane had done, just looks straight at him and says, do you really want to go down that road? And Jane shuts up. But like, again, he clearly feels guilty about that. Well, and Summer, or not Summer, River also alerts Simon to the fact that Jane betrayed them at some point oh yeah i don't remember what episode but or was that in the movie mm, I, I think it's an episode i can't remember though yeah, i don't think they bring that up in the movie oh no it's uh it's some point when he's working on jane oh yeah because he's got jane literally under the knife and says so i knew you betrayed us and i just want you to know you have nothing to fear from me while you're on my table you're my patient and, and i would not do anything to hurt you when we're in this relationship, which I think also is another great characterization for Simon. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing I was going to throw in about Ariel, and it actually goes right back to Simon, for so much of the show, you have Simon and River who are kind of who are on the run from the big galactic authority throughout the whole show on the ship, and they because they're on the run, they can't do. They, they want to keep their profile low and they don't do too much um, actively with the jobs that are being done. This is Ariel's the moment when uh, Simon actually comes up with a whole plan for a job um, and plays a, a huge role in carrying out the job. So to me, it's almost an episode. It's like the full circle on not only has he slowly been getting close he and river have both been getting closer to the people in the crew they've fully crossed into being outright outlaws with the rest of the crew and i like that sense of um there's no longer as much of a partition between them you've got everyone on equal footing ariel is my second favorite episode so i'm glad that you talked about that i don't know how you guys rank the episodes like this <laughs> yeah we we discussed earlier that Really, we could say, oh, that's a good episode for any episode that we talk about. It's so. much yeah, <laughs> it's much easier to look at this and say, what are the episodes we didn't like for what reason? And to like remove them from the awesome pool to just the that was very good pool. <laughs> there is no outright terrible episode. By the way, the one that uh, we were referring to earlier with Simon and Jane is trash whenever uh jane i don't know i think he uh, is shocked from 
touching some metal object. There was too much static electricity and he falls. Uh, and Simon makes him think that he's paralyzed after he wakes up um, or something like that. That's the episode. I believe trash is one of the episode, one of the three that never aired. It just, that's random trivia. That's not helpful to anyone unless you really want to know that. That is correct. <laughs> Original air date. If you look on IMDB, they have it all the episodes listed in air date order and yeah that it's really confusing well for some reason the ones that never aired still have air dates listed yeah but they're separate it's 2003 oh i think they eventually aired but i don't think objects in space aired did it object in space was one of i thought that one did air i guess it did because it says 2002 i think that was the last one that they aired no that was the pilot wasn't it I know that Heart of Gold didn't air. No, Heart of Gold, The Message, and Trash didn't air. Yeah. Right? That's right. The Message is a good episode. <laughs> They're all good. <laughs> I wanted to make a comment about beans, but I didn't know how to work it in there. So am I supposed to talk about my favorite episode? Yeah, Trevor, what's your favorite episode? I'm actually in a lot of suspense over what Trevor's going to say because we've gone back. I'm going to place a bet on... Dustin, do you want to place bets on this? Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go with Safe. I am going to go with, mm, hold on, let me think, uh, man, I'm torn between objects in space and shindig. I'm going, objects in space is going to be my second bet if I couldn't have okay. gone with safe. I'm going to go with shindig and objects in space. I'll place a second bet on objects in space. Well, that's cheating. It doesn't place two bets. How is it cheating? I mean, you're both cheating. <laughs> okay, let's just say if you don't pick from one of those three episodes, we'll be surprised. <laughs> you're going to hate me. Heart of Gold? <laughs> if you pick Heart of Gold, I'm leaving the podcast. Uh, what I was going to say is, am I allowed to say the movie? Um, that's not an episode. <laughs> but yeah, sure, you can talk about that. I mean, no, I think the movie's good to talk about. I think it does exceed the bounds of what we were saying by favorite episode but okay and it really the movie is a season so that's not fair but the so i'm not going to say too much about the movie i will talk about an episode but i wanted to mention the movie because if it was alongside the others it might be my favorite episode but that's kind of cheating because it's way longer than the other ones yeah so it has a lot more time to build out an arc and it's also basically seasons two and three the reason I feel the need to mention it is I've heard a lot of people say they didn't like the movie as much as the series. And I don't think that's really fair. Um, what I've heard them say is it didn't have the same feel. Like it didn't have as much of a Western feel. So it just felt like something different. And I do not hold to that. <laughs> 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 that was see that wasn't even intentional i'm making a serenity reference and i didn't even mean to but this is a daily occurrence for me yeah i do not hold to that um i think that the movie is just as good as the show and it feels like completely the same thing to me it feels different in parts but it's like it doesn't feel like a different show. It just feels like it's focused a little bit more on different worlds. So like even some episodes of the show, you might have an episode on one of the less developed worlds. It has more Western feel. And then you have an episode on a core world that feels a lot more um, 
civilized, I guess. And the the movie trends a little more towards the civilized end of the spectrum, I guess. Really? But <laughs> yeah. With the Reavers? Well, uh, I, 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 well guess I guess I see where you're going with that. I mean, they even the world they go to when they go to Miranda, it's like, um, it seemed like a very fancy, uh, not fancy place, but a very modern developed place. Yeah. It's impossible to, to separate the Reavers from civilization. Right. And I don't know how, if right. we want to talk about that. Nah. Like they bear so much of their horror because they're related to that. And then they don't exist outside of ultra civilization in a way. Yeah. So I, I want to give a strong nod to the movie in that, I feel like they did a really good job making it part and parcel with the TV show. I think it is every bit as good. Um, that said, episodes, I was having a really hard time choosing between objects in space and safe. Oh, yes. I forgot about safe. I, I called safe. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Forget it. You just forgot that I had talked about it before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, Watched both of those again recently, and again, it's just really tough to pick. I'm probably I'm gonna go with objects in space. I love the way that it shows things from River's perspective for the beginning of the episode. I'm not sure what percentage of the episode, but the beginning, it's basically just following her around the ship, showing her reading all the people without even really meaning to or wanting to probably, but it, it just shows how she sees things and Simon and river are my two favorite characters. So I really like that. Are you a lion? So the villain of this episode is a, a bounty hunter who like, um, boards them while they're in deep space in transit. And it almost has like a, bit of like an alien feel to me and that everybody's kind of scattered across the ship and he's just going around. You mean like alien, the movie, like alien, the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's just kind of going around picking people off. He's not killing people, but he, he likes locks somebody in a room or ties them up or knocks them out. Just going around looking for river. And he's a person though, but he is so creepy. Um, seems like a totally unhinged guy that's because he is yeah he's unhinged but like overly philosophical just kind of chatting up his victims as he walks around trying to find his bounty um so he's not really the reason i love the episode but i do think he is a very effective villain the main reason i love this he's got some funny lines though he does have some pretty funny lines uh the main reason i like the episode is just the screen time that it gives river and Simon. Um, it doesn't have as much funny stuff in it as a lot of the other episodes. And so many of the episodes are good because they really mix drama and comedy. Actually, you know what? I take that back that meeting when they're in the kitchen talking about what to do about river. Jane has a line that I remember the first time I watched it, I was watching with like five or six people and we were just, literally rolling on the ground laughing for like five minutes and we had to rewind and start over again because of this line from Jane. So it, it definitely has its funny moments. I do. Do you remember what the line is? If, if wishes, wishes were horses, horses <laughs> we'd all be eating steak. 
which I realized to somebody listening out of context might not seem that funny, but he, uh, maybe it's just the delivery, but it was hilarious in context. I also want to kind of touch on one of your favorite episodes, Serenity, the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I think one thing that we didn't, that's an element that's there that isn't th- throughout is that that has, um, and it's not a fair comparison, it has Twyla Geofor as the operative, who is a stellar antagonist to watch like i (laughs) like there's good he does an incredible job there are good antagonists throughout the show but he takes it to another level he's probably my favorite villain of anything ever to be honest he's a monster the degree to which he believes in what he's doing while somehow not believing in it at the same time is just chilling in a very effective way he feels the most real world, and that's part of why he's terrifying and effective as a villain, because he's someone saying, I'm doing these terrible things because I believe in what I'm doing. And that would be the real world logic for people doing something terrible. They would say, I believe in the cause I'm doing, so I have to do this terrible thing. True. Yeah. Do we want to tell anybody anything special about this villain? His greatest desire is um, that he wants to basically carry out the will of the what's called the Alliance. That's the big pan galactic authority or whatever um, that's throughout there. And interestingly, this is where we derive the name of the podcast from was a quote from the operative. He's just called the operative in the movie um, saying that he wants to make. He's doing this to make better worlds, all of them better worlds. Worlds without sin. His words. Well, he he talks about it in a couple different places. In the spot where he utters the phrase better worlds, he's talking to a doctor and he says, we're building a better world, all of them better worlds. And then later he's talking with Mal and talking about how he's a monster. And he says... Um, the thing about the world without sin. But yeah, say, I mean, it's part of the same idea from him. We chose the title because most of the titles we were thinking of were Firefly references that were a little more direct and we did not want to hold to that, um, work ourselves into a corner <laughs> of just being about Firefly. Cause we're not, even though we reference it constantly or words derived from French. Or words derived from French, which is what that little tangent is about in episode zero. But we chose Better Worlds because it evokes the idea of any number of um, fictions or fandoms or whatever we might want to talk about or myths, any of that stuff. <laughs> or scientific dis- discoveries or, you know, it's it's pretty open. It's plural and it can apply to most of the things we're going to want to talk about. So... Runners up, uh, my an honorable mention for episode for me would be Janestown because Jane's my favorite character, and that one is pretty Jane focused. Lots of good quotes. I also love Janestown, and I think it's my sister's favorite episode because of the way it explores myth and story and belief Mm -hmm. and the way these things all work together. And not just because of Jane's arc, but even because of the arc with River. With the shepherd, they kind of discuss some relevant things to that as well. Mm-hmm. 
also Jane is just a, a lot more human, I guess, more relatable, more lovable yeah. in that episode. <laughs> I can feel justified for loving him <laughs> in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. I almost mentioned Safe as my favorite episode, and I guess I should mention it here as my runner up because a lot of the same reasons it focuses a lot on Simon and River. Um Objects in Space focuses more on River. Safe focuses more on Simon and the relationship between them. And kind of gives a little bit of his backstory in terms of what he gave up to find her and protect her. Man, that's a good episode. There is one thing that annoyed me a little bit about this episode. I realized re-watching it that in the flashbacks, Young River, and I don't know if I didn't notice this or just forgot about it, but Young River is still voiced by Summer Glau, even though she's played by a younger actress hmm. there. And it's a little bit unsettling on rewatching to notice that the voice is still the voice of the person who's usually playing her, but in the wrong body. So I hope that doesn't bother anybody now that I've mentioned it. Well, she's not that much older either. You just reminded me of young Zac Efron being in this too. <laughs> yes, he is. As a young Simon Tam. Um, so if we had not done runners, like if we, if you hadn't already done favorite episodes, my runner up would probably have been objects in space. Um, but going by episodes that we have not touched on. Well, did you have anything to say about objects in space? Objects in space? I think I've said it a lot on it already that okay. goes into just like the structuring of how it's done and the, the music in objects in space stands out to me more than. The music is fantastic throughout, but specifically in objects in space like that, it's done very well there to convey the different moods and how you're supposed to feel as they jump through all these transitions. Yeah, And they've got like a special oboe theme for the bounty hunter. It's nice. Yes. So what would be your honorable mention, Matthew? I just realized, I okay, I do like objects in space. What I meant to say was out of gas. That was the one I specifically was thinking of there. Oh. Because <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> but I do like objects in space as well. Um, it would probably be below. Yeah, out of gas would have been my second. Um, out of ones we have not mentioned, it would probably be a toss up between Shindig and War Stories. Yeah, War Stories is good. Maybe leaning. I like War Stories for how wash centric it is. And he does a lot of advocating for himself that he normally doesn't. <laughs> but it is under duress of him dying. So I don't like that. <laughs> well, that, he turns pretty B.A. whenever he's rescuing Mal. True. <laughs> um, but Shindig is also fun because you get to see some of the culture of the bigger – of a bigger world um, and how that plays out and – that is really interesting to me. Um, and the fact that <laughs> you get some really good lines from Mal when he gets challenged to a duel. And they're like, okay, any gentleman here can provide you the use of a sword. And he's like, use of a swa? <laughs> like, <laughs> and and there's some really great Kaylee moments that I love in Shindig as well. Like, just throughout, like, especially at the end when she's got this dress and she's got it, like, pinned up in her <laughs> tiny little... um spaceship room that she's just like lovingly admiring it and she's like i came out on top on this one or like when she gets captured at gunpoint while wearing that dress and she just is like hi this is a day <laughs> i don't know there's kaylee's a like 
quiet favorite for me, I think. Like, I don't like... I would name other characters as my favorites outside of her, but Kaylee, when I think about it, is like... I enjoy a lot of just the way that Jewel State delivered the lines on the character. (laughs) When I'm thinking of favorite characters for you, Matthew, I think of Wash, Mal, and Kaylee. Wash and Mal would be... That's usually who I would say, but Kaylee's also one of my favorites, yeah. Right. I guess that's something we didn't even really talk about were favorite characters. You, D- Justin, Justin, just Dustin mentioned Jane. That's what I was trying to say. I know <laughs> your name at this point. Uh, but um, Dustin mentioned Jane being his favorite character. And did Tre- Trevor, did you mention who your favorite characters were? Yeah, Simon. and I think I've said a couple times Simon and River are my favorite characters. Oh, I thought you might be mentioned that you identified with Simon, but I didn't know if that. That too. Okay. I'd, I typically identify with Jane too. Yeah. Did I mention the thing about Simon's birthday? Yes, yes, yes you, you did. did. Okay, yeah. Um, that was also, I guess that's I Wash is my favorite, but I kind of identify more with Wash. So yeah, we like the people we identify with, is what yeah. we're saying here. <laughs> Matthew's a a crack pilot. <laughs> Trevor is is a doctor, and I'm a gun for hire. So well, I feel bad when I say I identify with Simon because one of the first things he says when he's telling other people about who he is, is I am very smart. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's not my point when I say I identify with him, but also not wrong. Just like when wash self identifies, he says that he's a large semi-muscular man, which clearly is a <laughs> definition of that's how I introduce myself to people all the time. Does Jane ever introduce himself? Uh, I can't think of anything like that. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think he does. I think his first lines are something like, Captain were humped or something. Or maybe that's Wash. Wash's first words are, everything looks good from here. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Those are the dinosaurs speaking. I can't remember Jane's first words. I think you're close with Captain were humped. It's, <laughs> we're humped if they find us or something. I don't want to explode. <laughs> <laughs> that's in Serenity. <laughs> that's like yeah. his first... Uh, no, it's like, Mal, we explode and I don't want to explode. I love the the earnestness in that. Yeah, but that's the nice thing about Jane is just his earnestness in so many situations. Yeah, and he gets a lot of the funniest lines and looks too. Just watching his reactions to things. Yeah, you know, I don't think I've talked about. I really like Zoe too, but she's so tied into her relate. Like all the characters are tied into the relationships to each other, but like her, she's especially tied in like as her characterization is having this respect for Mal and being deferent to him in a lot of cases, but really being much more competent than him in almost everything and (laughs) being married to wash and having that loving relationship with him. But also, I don't know. She's, she's like a quiet backbone to the whole crew. Like, (laughs) and I guess that actually bears up that the fact that when they were throwing the ship together, it was initially just mal and zoe like she followed him out of the war and doing everything going forward yeah and she didn't like wash when she first saw him yeah (laughs) i feel like she is kind of the muscle behind wash's mouth as well because i was noticing as i rewatched episodes this week there are a lot of times that wash is really talking smack to jane and I wonder if he would speak so freely if he didn't know that Jane is definitely intimidated by Zoe. And Zoe would totally have his back. (laughs) 
I love that. That might. I have a hard time picking out whatever my favorite relationship in the show is in the terms of just like people interacting, not romantic relationship. But I think Zoe and Wash have they're easily at the top of just like the people I like interacting together. Although it's interesting. I don't know. Like I said, there's lots of interesting relational dynamics throughout. I'm sure Trevor's would be um, Simon and River. Yep. And that's a good one, too. And at the very bottom of the list is Anara and any of her clients. <laughs> and I will say strong points going for both objects in space and safe. There's almost no Anara plotline. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's a good reason why to not go with that. That's why Shindig can be problematic. <laughs> well, we could probably carry on talking about this for hours, uh, but we should probably wrap it up. Don't you think, guys? I would agree. We could talk about this for far longer than anyone should sanely listen to it. <laughs> you all got on this podcast for different reasons, but you all come to the same place. So now I'm asking more of you than I have before. Maybe all. Because as sure as I know anything, I know this. We will try again. Maybe in real life. Maybe on this very podcast, Swept Clean. An episode from now, 10 we'll swing back to the belief that we can keep making Firefly references and people will keep listening. <laughs> I, I do hold to that. So no more running. Please, please keep listening. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you. We will keep making Firefly references. We wanted to explain ourselves and we want you to experience this show that means so much to us. Uh, but I don't know if you're still listening now, you, you probably have, I hope you have, cause you've heard a whole lot of spoilers by now. <laughs> and now that you've heard us explain ourselves, you're totally complicit in our continued behavior of making Firefly references. So really we would just invite you to enjoy that with us. And if you want to leave feedback that includes a Firefly reference, we will give you a shout out on this show. 100% guaranteed. Listening this far is a, contractual agreement to accept all future firefly references well thanks for listening goodbye bye until next time all of the better worlds so there are i'm going to just read this that i found since the cancellation of the series various cast and crew members have revealed details that they had planned for the show's future Alan Tudyk had the idea for an episode about a planet that is always day on one side and night on the other. On the night side, Jane accidentally spills a type of pheromone on himself and the crew, which attracts a species of dogs. The crew are chased back to the ship by these dogs. There, River uses her mind powers to domesticate the dogs. <laughs> this sounds amazing. This, I was actually just thinking, I'm glad they didn't do this one. That one, I thought, like, it's... that would be funny to see because i'm invested in the characters and they couldn't do anything that would make me dislike it but that would probably be a crappy that that sounds like a regular sci-fi episode type show adam baldman wanted to make an episode in which jane goes up against mal as captain of his own ship <laughs> would he just name the jane the jane or would jane just name his ship the jane vera i wish i would have opened with shiny let's be podcasters <laughs> As if Jane could figure out what a podcast is. No, I'm, <laughs> that's being too mean to him. Um, Matthew, on the note you said about being too mean to Jane, I did just watch an episode where Wash says, 
how did you even learn human speech? (laughs) 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 And that's why I really think that like, maybe that is just his personality that he'd be doing that anyway. But the fact that he's got Zoe at his back, I think just makes him completely let loose Mm -hmm. when it comes to insulting Jane. Yeah. He doesn't pull any punches before they figure river out. Zoe was the most lethal member of the team. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys feel like we did it justice? No, but we did it as well as we're going to do at the present. And that's what we can ask of ourselves. Okay.